Join Anthony Esselin, John Warwick Montgomery, Beverly Yonke, Mark Haltoff, Ryan Anderson, Todd Wilkin, and yours truly for the Fall 2018 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, November 9th and Saturday, November 10th in Dallas, Texas. To learn more, register at issuesetc.org. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, July 26, 2018. More insanity on deck. As we patrol the Hera seas. Yeah, pun intended. I know, I, I know, I know. But I really don't apologize for that. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically. Help you to slow down, stop, open up that Bible of yours, or turn it on, and read it and compare it. That's right, we do comparing and contrasting of what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, (gasps) self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God... Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching that's put forward for consumption by the average evangelical is far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. It's, like, not even close. And most people just want it that way. And uh, if you're new to fighting for the faith, I, I gotta listen, you got to listen to what I'm saying here. This program is a little bit of a rough hoe at first. Yeah, it, it's going to seem like a... Uh, like the theological equivalent of the ice bucket challenge. But uh, it's not about watching you react to the bucket of ice. The bucket of ice is designed to wake you up because you do not even realize the danger that you are in if you are listening to these false teachers and think that they're rightly guiding you into what God's Word says. When you know, The reality is it's far from it. All right. So let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. So we're going to begin with um, a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. We're going to head over to the YouTube channel of Dr. Michelle Corral, and she's going to teach us how to leave low to bar uh, and experience the gift of God-given greatness. And as we listen to this, the teaching is actually in the assumptions. Yeah, the assumptions are what's driving how she's handling, I should say, mishandling God's word in this particular uh, teaching, and uh, and this, this a lot of people do this. This is a classic example of scratching, itching ears, telling people what they want to hear because in talking this way, she is creating 
the narcissistic expectation or feeding narcissistic expectations that somehow God's going to give you wealth and a platform so that you can do good. I mean, yeah, see, you're, you're going you're gonna to experience God-given greatness and and when that happens to you, yeah, uh, everybody knows that you're going to be, you know, a kind-hearted and loving despot. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the lust of the eyes and lust for power and stuff like that is the best way I can put it. And God doesn't promise this. And so uh, that we'll be listening to Michelle Corral first. Then we're going to do a Jim Baker twin spin. Yay! <laughs> you know, it's not a yay, but anyway, uh, we're going <laughs> to listen to Jim Baker first with uh, Cindy Jacobs. Oh, yeah, this is... Oh, your 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 world is about to be rocked. It'll never be the same. And then we're going to listen to, a, again... Sadhu Selvaraj, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, Sadhu S, is, <laughs> and he's going to be talking about, oh, the things that the Lord has revealed to him regarding the United States. And, uh, yeah, it's, God isn't talking to him at all, is the best way I can put it. Somewhere in there, we're definitely going to have to take a, a break. And uh, last part of the first hour uh, we're going to head down to C3 Church, Oxford Falls, down in New South Wales in uh, in Australia, as we listen to Phil Pringle casting vision. This is from his Vision Builders sermon. And I got to tell you, he says some things in here that not only reveal just what a false prophet this guy really is, but man, he does something like uber creepy and weird uh when he uh, he he references the book of revelation and the claims that he make oh man they are oh wow yeah it's mind numbingly awful is the best way i could put it and uh, then in hour number 2 uh my apologies ahead of time for hour number 2 yeah we're going to head to the journey church in new york city it's i know it's summertime and uh, i'm doing my best to avoid having to review sermons like this. But uh, despite all my best efforts, we're going to review a movie sermon on Mission Impossible and Finding Your Purpose. Yeah, I wish I was making that up. So, yeah, that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. we got a lot of ground we need to cover, and since we're going to start with Dr. Michelle Corral, let's do this. at an English fair One evening I was there When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts There they are standing in a row Big one, small one, some as big as your head Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist That's what the showman said I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts Every ball you throw will make me rich there stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Roly bowl a ball, roly bowl a ball, singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Yeah, that. 
That's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're heading over to uh, the uh, YouTube channel of uh, Dr. Michelle Corral. And uh, note where this woman should not be doing what she's doing because God, God's word actually forbids you from doing that. And the name of the teaching, you can find it on her YouTube channel, is Breaking Out of Low Debar. Breaking Out of Low Debar. And it's it's all about, you know, you know the gift of God-given great, greatness. Because Low Debar is the opposite of God-given greatness and nonsense like that. Yeah, I wish I was making that up. But uh, here's Dr. Michelle Corral to explain. Cookie. What we're talking about is when we are going to show kindness to someone, it means that we are looking for someone that is in need, that we want to help that person in need. And the Bible is telling us right now that David actually went looking for people in need. He went to look for someone who needed um, his his extension of his influence and extension of his of his position and extension of his throne to be extended to that person. What we need to understand is what we really see here in David is someone who's been given a position, someone who's been given a platform, but a person that has a proper a perception of power in their life. Right. Yeah. So kind of the subtext of all of this is that, well, you know, David was given a platform and power and stuff and you will be too. That's what God wants for you as well. And when that happens, be sure to go and look for ways to bless people and do good for them. You know, when that happens to you. Power was not given to individuals and is not given to individuals so that they can say how great they are. All right, we need to understand that God said to Abraham, he said to Abraham, uh, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to make you a blessing. So we need to understand that. When yeah, the blessing of Abraham happens to be the seed of Abraham. That would be Jesus Christ, the descendant of Abraham. Yeah, the whole world blessed through Abraham in Jesus God-given greatness. It's not about us. Now, I'm going to back that up because I want you to hear it in context. But I'm going to make you a blessing. So we need to understand that when we're talking about the gift of God-given greatness, it's not about us. No, no. Yeah, see, because, you know, David and Abraham, they experience God-given greatness. You are going to experience God-given greatness, too. Yeah. See, I I can't wait until I experience my God-given greatness. I, I promise to use it only to, to help others. And it's not going to be about me at all. <laughs> yeah, this is a classic example of what the Apostle Paul prophesied would happen in the last days. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, the Greek word here for teaching, uh, uh, didache, uh, that can also be doctrine. You know, that's another way you can talk about it. But in complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming, coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And I would argue that anybody standing up in a church 
male or female, although the female should not be doing that, and claiming, oh, when we experience the gift of God-given greatness, <laughs> you know, that what they're doing is they're scratching itching ears. You know, the narcissists in the audience are sitting there going, well, of course. Of course, I, I, I deserve the gift of God given greatness because after all, <laughs> moi, you know, it's me. Yeah. And this is just feeds people's egos. And what isn't happening is what Christ has commanded the church to do. Let me explain what I mean by that. In Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, in Luke's version of the, uh, of the great commission, it, it actually, Jesus explains what it is that uh, we are to preach as the message. And um, here's what it says. Uh, verse 45, Luke 24, 45. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ, or the Messiah, should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead. And that, listen to this, repentance and the forgiveness of sh- sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So the Christians are to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins. The problem that Christ was sent to solve was the problem of our separation from God caused by our sin and rebellion against God, into which we've all participated. And so that's the problem. And so the problem that you're experiencing is not that you haven't experienced your God-given greatness. No. The problem you're experiencing is you are a sinner, and you have fallen woefully short of the glory of God, and you've earned his wrath. And so the solution for this is Christ, the, the God in human flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, sent to bleed and to die for your sins and mine, and we are called to repent of our wickedness, trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, which then are our good works, which are done for our neighbor in love, for his sake, or, his, or her sake, not ours, and and that's the idea. And so the uh, the life of Christianity, the Christian life, is lived as one of daily repentance. But teachers like Michelle Corral, who, number one, shouldn't even be preaching because God's word forbids her from doing this, she is, well, making a little kingdom for herself by scratching itching ears, telling people what they want to hear, and she ain't preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. No, she's talking about, oh, when you experience God-given greatness, you, you need to make sure that you... You know, you use it for for other people, not yourself, you know, because wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It, God really wants to give you that God-given greatness. I mean, after all, Abraham, ha, see, and Daniel and, and others, they experience, and David, they all experience God-given greatness. So you are too. God doesn't promise you God-given greatness. Not at all. In fact, our good works can even be done even if we're slaves. You know, what does Paul say? Slaves obey your masters. And that Christ will reward those who do that. We're not called to greatness. We're called to, well, deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Christ. You know, stuff like that. But people like Michelle Corral wouldn't preach that because then they'd lose their whole kingdom and empire. Somebody ought to say it's not about us. All right. It's about using influence. It's about using one's position. It's about using one's platform to help somebody else who cannot help themselves. Can I get a witness somewhere? Yeah, you're scratching my ears. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I can feel my ego just going, you know, uh uh-huh. All right. The Bible.
Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that David understood that the Lord had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. So he didn't have the perception, it's all about me. He didn't have the perception, well, God has given me this place. God has given me this position because I'm such a talented individual or because I'm God's gift to humanity. Yeah, she's adding things to the biblical text here that aren't there. This is a... A false humility narrative being thrown onto the biblical texts. We really need to understand is that God wants to give us a place. God wants to give us a platform. God wants to give us influence in the earth. But we need to have... God, God wants to give me influence in a platform. Which biblical text says that? You see, there it is. This is just scratching ears like you wouldn't believe. Oh, I can hardly wait till I get my God-given platform. I wonder if I'll be a finalist on America's Got Talent. I wonder, oh, I wonder if I'll be a mover and a shaker and if, if like presidents and movie stars will come to my house and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. She is feeding people sinful egos rather than calling them to repent. A proper perception of power. We need to know why God has given us a platform. We need to know why God has given us a place. I think one of the greatest examples of... And and of course, you know, people buying into this who are attending her church, you know, months later or maybe weeks or years, they'll be sitting there going, you know, she told me that God wanted to give me a platform. And here I am just languishing in obscurity and nobody's... Nobody's paying attention to me. I've only got four friends on Facebook and two on Twitter. How come I haven't received my God-given platform yet? <laughs> right, and and so that person goes to talk to Michelle Corral. Hey, Doctor Doctor Corral, you you told me that God wanted to give me a platform. <gasps> well, there's clearly you don't have enough faith. Have you activated your God-given platform faith yet? You know and. It'll always, they'll throw it right back onto the person. But the thing is, is that she's flat out making promises for God. God never made. Someone who was given a platform because a platform is always for a purpose was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He didn't say I'm in this place so everybody could know who I am. He was in this place. You mean I'm going to be as great as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? No way. Oh, man, you won't be able to stand being in the same room with me and my ego. But, hey, you know, (laughs) yeah, this is just narcissism. To bring liberation of people out of degradation. Can I get a witness somewhere? So that we need to understand with position and with platform comes a responsibility. Yeah, yeah. See, uh, we need to have you de-platform because uh, you are not doing what people are called to do responsibly. And that's actually rightly handle God's word. Uh-huh. Help our neighbor. That means that the more that is given to us, the more is required of us. The Bible says, to whom much is given, of him much is required. Right. So you're going to be given much platformage. Because, you know, she said that God wants to do that. No, he doesn't. It, it, nowhere in Scripture does it promise you that. I think you get the idea, but I mean, this is standard, standard scratching of itching ears rather than preaching 
the word. But what does the Apostle Paul say? You know, I, I think what Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1 and 2 is actually quite helpful in this regard. And and that is, is that, uh, that well, it's the power of the cross. Um, listen to this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Now, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what's low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah, see, biblical Christianity is the opposite pursuit of what it is that Michelle Corral is preaching. But Michelle Corral is a gifted scratcher of itching ears, uh, somebody who is fulfilling the prophecy that we saw in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let, let me read it again. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what Michelle Corral is preaching, total myth. God does not hasn't promised to give you a platform or power or prestige. Uh, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Christ. Repent of your sins. Be forgiven. This is what we are called to do as Christians. Moving along. Yeah, time for a Jim Baker update. Doom and gloom coming soon. Listen to Thirty Eagles tune. Doom and gloom. God is telling us the end is coming soon. Very soon. You'll see signs up in the sun and stars and moon. Doom and gloom. Very soon. Rapture comes at night or noon. Doom and gloom. Very soon. If you're ready, you will meet the bride and groom. Bum, bum. Yeah, that's right. Doom and gloom coming soon. We're heading over to the greatest distributor of awful food buckets ever, uh, the Jim Baker Show, as we listen to Jim Baker and Cindy Jacobs discussing the crucible season for America. Crucible season, folks. It's it's this crucible time. <laughs> we'll see what they have to share. Of course, you know, Cindy Jacobs hears directly from God. So, you know, what could possibly be going wrong here? Let's check in with the Jim Baker Show. Here we go. You believe that the church is going to do good things, going to do 
Even with, with all this warfare, they're wanting to kill the church. They hate the church. I've never seen. He said you would be hated for his namesake. But you're saying it's time to do more, yeah. not less. Yeah, I think it's uh, that at this moment, you know, the prophetic timetable is, you know, clicking. You know what I mean? And, and definitely. The prophetic timetable is clicking. You know what I mean? No, I actually, I don't know at all what you mean. What do you mean? We're in a countdown. Yeah. But the point is, this is the greatest day for the church to shine that we have ever known in, you know, modern day history, at least. Uh And I think that Satan wants to cause us to stop and move back. So the heavens are real violent. I mean, we could just say, oh, my goodness, there's so much warfare in the heavens. But as a prophet, I don't prophesy what is there. I prophesy from heaven down. In other words, we... Yeah, you're not a prophet, lady. You're a false prophet. ...have the power. We have the authority. We have the solutions. We are feeling this crucible. That's one of the words of the Lord God gave me is we're in a crucible season. Mm-hmm. Really? And you remember, the Lord also gave her the word basta not too long ago. So the, you, the Lord gave you the crucible season word. You sure that was God talking to you? The fire is very, very hot right now. Wow. I mean, it, you know, it's like, but, the, but we have to understand the Bible talks about when we're persecuted, when these tough times come, that what's going to happen is it's going to burn up the wood, hay, and stubble in our life. Those things that where we need to refocus, God will cause us to focus. It's like, it's like in a whirlwind, when things are swirling and swirling and swirling, what happens is things get taken up. Mm. But it's up to us to say how it's going to be put down. What <laughs> on earth? So I, I didn't realize, you know, so the, only half the metaphor works. So when a, when a whirlwind takes stuff up, that's for all you folk that don't live in America, that would be a tornado, you know. Uh, so when a whirlwind takes stuff up, you know, the whirlwind gets to decide that. But according to Cindy Jacobs, for whatever reason that we Christians, you know, when when a world, and I don't even know what it means, by the way. So a whirlwind has taken stuff up that, uh, <laughs> that, that it's up to us to decide how it comes down. Whoa! Who knew? I, I, <laughs> I mean, this is just utter absurdity. And of course, you know, Jim Baker, you know, he's trying to figure out how to move merchandise here. So, uh, you know, he, he doesn't care what Cindy Jacobs says as long as Cindy Jacobs, you know, keeps the audience, uh, you know, in, in, in her clutches so that they would, uh, uh, give uh, you know much to his ministry. So, all right, we're going to quit. Take a quick break. We'll listen to more a little bit of Cindy Jacobs on the other side of this break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Iron Christian. When we return, a little bit more Cindy Jacobs. We'll hear from Sadhu S. as well as Phil Pringle. Don't want to miss him. We'll be right back.
Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Presents Church Day Select. Oh, has it been a week already? Right, uh, package for you, ma'am. Just uh, sign there. Oh dear, I was expecting something a bit. Larger? Is that all there is? Afraid uh, so, ma'am. Uh, sorry to disappoint. Oh, <laughs> no worries. I'm sure more will be on the way. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, have a good day, ma'am. I wonder what's in here. Oh, I do hope I haven't been ordering chia pets in my sleep again. Oh, it's a DVD! Oh, this had better not be another one of those Lectio Divina thingies. Watching this means that you have purchased the post-apocalyptic preparedness package. You have bought the bronze edition. Bronze edition? Please don't be alarmed, as your full order will be arriving within the next few weeks. Next few weeks? The end of the world might have happened by then. I should have paid the extra ninety-nine ninety-nine for the faster shipping. The purpose of this DVD is to catalog everything that you will be receiving in the bronze edition package, along with information on our other great offers. Looks like there are different chapters to select from. Let's see here. Toiletries, clothing, nourishment, shelter, sanitation, medicine, gardening, energy, communication, weaponry, underwater basket weaving. Okay. Additional accessories, expansion packs, and ooh, play all. (laughs) I'll choose that one. As you know, God has given us signs in the sun, moon, and stars that the end times are approaching. After the destruction of your country, the everyday comforts you currently enjoy will have been disintegrated by God's judgment. By investing in our merchandise, you have proven to God that you have audacious faith in his prophets, seers, and visionaries. Now we're ready to dive into the crucial survival equipment you have purchased. Well, I'm certainly glad that God knows I'm faithful. No doom and gloom for me. You have purchased the... Bronze Edition. Please pay attention to which items you will be receiving. I have my new pad ready. Part 1. Toiletries. In the bronze edition, your toilet paper will be made from the finest scratchy banana leaves and corrugated tree bark. Toilet paper made from scratchy banana leaves and... wait, what? In the silver edition, your toilet paper will be made from all-natural, organic, recycled plastic. In the gold edition, your toilet paper will be made from hand-quilted spider silk. It's... Can't be right! In the bronze edition, you will receive a block of wood with bristles and a baking soda solution for maintaining healthy teeth and gums. Here's a pro tip you can use your own hair as dental floss. Yeah! In the silver edition, you will receive. Oh my! I sat on the remote! It's fast forwarding! Um, uh, where's that done play button? Oh, oh, wait, there it is. Part 5 Nourishment. In the bronze edition, you will receive 24 cans, each containing one month's supply of beans. As a nifty space saver, the cans are first filled with fresh river water, then topped off with dehydrated beans. 
This way, you'll have your food and water in the same convenient package. Strainers and can openers will not be included. The Silver Edition will provide dried fruit and vegetable packets along with a 36-month supply of chicken noodle soup and 50 gallons of distilled water. The Silver Edition will provide dried fruit and vegetable packets along with a 36-month supply of chicken noodle soup and 50 gallons of distilled water. What? How is that even fair? Gold Edition buyers will be given 50 crates of freeze-dried astronaut dinners. Flavors include chicken cordon bleu, lobster surprise, filet mignon, oysters, caviar, and steak. Cheese platters will be served on the side of every dish. Water will come in glass bottles along with a complimentary water fountain with color-changing LEDs. This is ridiculous! I can't believe I wasted my cat's life insurance on this! What else is in this stupid thing? Gold Edition shelters have been constructed by our teams ahead of time for you. You will be getting your maps and keys to access your top-secret bunker in the coming weeks. Complimentary bouncy castles and jacuzzis can be found next to the theater room behind the bowling alley. In the Silver Edition, you will get him and her matching gardening gloves. For prosperous crops, this edition includes an inflatable radiation-proof greenhouse. Part 33. Communication. Now pay attention, bronze buyers. Using two of your Space Saver nourishment cans, you can attach this six-foot string to each side to make an electricity-free telephone. As a special promotion, we will also be giving out 12-foot strings for long-distance calls. Gold Edition weaponry includes six holy hand grenades, one hideaway moat, and... I can't believe this! They didn't say anything about different editions on the website! How, how do I upgrade? I can't survive with any of the useless junk they're sending me. What are the shams of these sleaze balls running? I could have sworn she said something about expansion packs. Additional accessories, such as a Holy Ghost decoder ring or a church box CD, can be purchased individually for $24.99 each. Please wait for our full accessory list. Ah! I don't want to hear any more of this rubbish! Part 104. Expansion Packs. Our hottest item is the Mr. Sparkle Party Pack. This little number comes with four sparkle suits, one disco ball, seizure-inducing strobe lights, and confetti poppers. It's fun for the whole family. I want my money back. This is an absolute outrage. I can't believe I fell for this ruse. This concludes our DVD presentation. If you have any questions, please call the number not located at the bottom of your screen. And remember that all payments are non-refundable and non-negotiable. Thank you, and have a wonderful apocalypse. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association 
of Lutheran Churches. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that Cindy Jacobs is not a prophet. False prophetess, maybe, but not a prophet of God. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Uh, when you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. And rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew, great way to support us. Uh, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the donate button. If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the become a patron button. And if you would like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable too. Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344 Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly, honestly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Uh, let's uh, tune back in to uh, Cindy Jacobs as she explains that you were in the crucible season. And this is quite the crucible of nonsense because I can't make heads or tails of anything she's saying. But here we go. And so this is very crit- critical. If it, And I, I just want to say, Jim, I know you're in a crucible. You know, we were talking before we came out. Uh, summer's been tough and, and uh, you know, a season where, you know, the finances have been super tight you know for the ministry but yeah that's because jim baker has this really bad habit of like extending himself financially i want to say to you you're going to come out of this as pure gold and i mean wow jim baker's going to come out i thought he was the dross that jesus is going to burn up it's you know 
You're not going to go off television. God, the God is going to bring in the funds. And, uh, and yeah, I hope he does go off television, so then he can stop infecting the body of Christ with his false doctrine and the parade of heretics that he has on his program. If you'd allow me just a second, I want to say to the viewers, look, if you have watched Jim Baker for years and you have never given anything and you have been eating. Yeah, I've been watching him for a long time, never given him a single penny, never will. The fruit of this show over and over and again, you need to give. You need to give something to it. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if you turned on the television one day and there was no Jim Baker show? No, that would be amazing. I am looking forward to that day. Okay, because there was no PTL. I mean, because why? Because people... Yeah, there was no PTL because he went to prison. <laughs> That's why there was no PTL. There was a PTL, then he was sentenced to prison, and then there was no PTL. And life was good during those no Jim Baker years. They, they, were, they were some of the best of my life. Eat the fruit of it, never come back to say thank you. And I think that's really important that we do that. I think we should clap our hands about that. That's an excellent. That is an excellent. That's excellent. But I want to say this to you. Many of you are in the crucible right now, and the fire is so hot. There is a lot of spiritual warfare, but it's up to you to take the word of God and determine the course of your life. It's up to you. Uh, what what passage of scripture are you reading from, lady? All right, this is a test. Oh, I want you to pass this test. Can is there a redo if I don't? You know, there's things Satan's doing, but there's things God's doing because some of you are just on the verge of promotion. It's like you, Jim. Oh yeah, so, so, some of you out there. I don't know who you are. I mean, it's really vague. You're you're on the verge of some kind of promotion. Lori and 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 Ricky and Mondo. I mean, this show is just on the verge of the greatest season, and and this ministry is. Oh wow! So she's prophetically declaring and decreeing that. The Jim Baker Show is just on the cusp of the greatest season it'll ever have. The greatest season you have ever, ever been in. But yet, the enemy is putting the fire. Why is he putting the fire? To discourage your soul, right? Yes. So you'll get... See, all that discouragement you know, on, at the fire crucible thing, he shows that just on the other end of it, woo, greatest season ever. This woman is totally filling his head with nonsense. Of course, he's going for it because he's a deceived deceiver. Oh, damn. But the word of the Lord says the... Did she say what I thought she said? I'm backing that up. Let's hear it in context. The fire. Why is he putting the fire? To discourage your soul, right? Yes. So you'll get so down. But the word of the Lord says the only... You'll get so down. Got it. Things that will be burned up are the wood, hay, and stubble. Those things that are ancillary. So 1 Corinthians 3, 12, and 13, you know, what will be burned up are wood, hay, and stubble. That's talking about the crucible stuff in his life that's going to get burned up so that uh, so that he can have a, you know, a, the best season ever. 
total twisting of 1 Corinthians 3. Those things that maybe you say that wasn't the important thing or our attitudes that need readjustment. You know, we need attitude. You know what's really funny is that 1 Corinthians 3 is actually about somebody who builds on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with wood, hay, and stubble and has it burned up by Christ. It, you know, the, like the whole life ministry work is destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she is a prophetess after all. I, I don't know. Anyway, let's uh, do with the second part of our twin spin here. Uh, we're going to check in again with the Jim Baker show as he interviews Sadhu S. Salvaraj. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but here we go. What is your message for the church mm-hmm. that you're hearing from God? All right. Mm, I don't think uh, Sadhu is hearing anything from God unless he's reading his Bible, and hopefully he would read those passages regarding repenting of being a false prophet. When uh, Last week when I was in Gettysburg for a prophetic conference, yes, the Lord came to me and spoke on the July the 4th which is the Independence Day of the U.S. Yes. And uh, I saw the Lord in a vision as a gigantic figure standing on the east coast of the United States. And he was so huge. And the map of the U.S. looked like a ant before him. Mm. And he had a shepherd's rod in his hand. And he stretched over the nation. And when I saw that, I remember the scripture in Ezekiel, chapter 20, verse 37, which, say, which says that I will lift up my shepherd's rod over the nation. And the purpose of the shepherd's rod is to judge, to examine, and to lead. So apparently God's bringing the United States under the shepherd's rod of Christ. Okay. So as I saw this vision... Then the word of the Lord came saying this. Number one, he will judge the nation of political crimes. Now, somebody just cried out, thank you, Jesus. They're going to convict the government of uh, political crimes. Okay. Yeah. How much you want to bet this prophecy doesn't happen? Lord showed me I know nothing about in the natural what he meant, because I do not know much about the history and the happenings of the U.S. So he said he will judge the nation of political crimes. Oh, so when I scary. pondered about that, and he explained to me why is he going to judge the nation of political crimes? Because you'll note that you know God and Sadhu. I mean, they're tight. I mean, God just you know gives him all the information about what's coming up. You know, decisions that were taken in the secret in the past to pass laws of unrighteousness in the land. So, for example, like laws of abortion and the same-sex marriage law. Yes. So, this is one area that he is going to judge the nation of political crimes. Secondly, much damage and harm were done during Mr. Obama's Two terms of office. And uh, then the word came saying, secret plans of alliance were made in the secret. 
that nobody else knows not much people in the nation knows about that secret plans of alliance were made in the secret uh-huh which would have carried out and continued if hillary clinton had won the elections so so many diabolical secret alliances and plans that they had made which were just in fetal stage would have given birth to if mrs clinton had won the election yeah the number 3 why mr trump was elected president because god had heard the prayers of millions of americans who had prayed for this nation over decades he had heard their prayers and given them a chance an opportunity to put away evil and establish righteousness in the land to to put away evil and establish righteousness that requires christians to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins and proclaim christ as crucified for our sins yeah yeah there i don't see that happening praise god so mr trump been voted to office for a period of 4 years is god's opportunity he's giving them a chance because the christians have prayed so that they can put away evil put away unrighteousness yes yeah so god's giving us a chance to put away evil you know because trump oh my and establish righteousness in the land and number 4 a respite is given to this nation by the council in heaven oh so a respite has been given by the council in heaven wow that's so kind of the council the council in heaven which i may have shared with you the last time when i was here that uh, each time uh, the election in the us took place months before that i was taken to this council where abraham is the chairman of the council and he spoke to me before mm. obama was elected to office and he also spoke to me before mr trump was elected to office so in that council a decision has been made to give a respite a period of respite to this nation so is is that like at the un general assembly up in heaven now respite for what the respite is given to this nation so that it can turn back to the ways of god unto righteousness and holiness mm, so right yeah so um you got a note here that uh, if you believe sadhu is uh, really hearing from god then it's not enough that you believe that jesus bled and died for your sins born of the virgin mary and all of that biblical stuff you now also have to believe that there is a council like the un general assembly up in heaven and abraham chairs that council mm-hmm. that's what we call extra biblical revelation and uh this guy is adding to scripture wow unbelievable moving along time for a vision casting leader update this is literal vision casting we're going to be hearing
about has spurred a supernatural dream. It's time I speak the sublime, put my trust in faith. I want to see the crowd feel the offering play. Blinding eyes when I'm casting vision. Take the word and twist it Ministry Records and uh, Casting Vision. We're heading over to C3 Church, Oxford Falls, New South Wales, Australia, as the vision casting leader Phil Pringle is taking to the stage for their Vision Builder Sunday, and he's going to prophetically decree and declare stuff, and then he's going to say something that's like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like way, way out there, even farther out there than Sadhu saying that there's a UN General Assembly like council up in heaven uh, chaired by <clears throat> Abraham. Yeah, I'll just have to let y- you experience it for yourself. Here is Phil Pringle literally casting vision. Here we go. It's Mitch Hammond's birthday tomorrow. Give Mitch a big hand. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Brilliant. You know, as, uh, uh, that worship was just great tonight. Just stay standing for a second. Stay standing. And uh, while we were uh, worshiping God there, and it's just great tonight to welcome Maryland's location. This morning we spoke to 10 other locations. Tonight we're speaking to one other location. Maryland's, God bless you. Great to see you. Woo! 
Carly Lewis and the team there doing such a great job. And uh, we're believing for that campus and that location to grow so magnificently. Love you guys. And, uh, you know, while we're, while we're standing, I wanted, to, I wanted to say this. When we were worshiping, I could hear the sound of a whole new day, a whole new move of God coming. And when I... you, you, you heard the sound of a whole new move of God coming. What's that sound like, by the way? I, you know, I'm curious. Does it sound like horses, you know, galloping? You know, maybe get some coconuts together. Yeah, yeah. I could hear the sound of a whole new day coming. Uh huh. Yeah, th- this guy is straight up manipulating. He ain't hearing nothing. He's making stuff up here. When I see, when I get to feel like something of a new season is coming upon us, uh, I I can feel definitely these things. And let me tell you, I prophesy that a seal has broken over this church and the drought will be broken in so many areas. Yes, seal has been broken and the drought will be broken in many, 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 many areas. No idea what the cash value is of that sentence, but many, many drought, droughty yes, like areas. Yeah, that's broken and stuff. You know, because the seal thing. Yeah. Uh huh. The church's life and of individuals' lives all around this city. The drought of souls. The drought of finances. The drought of worship. The drought. Oh, there's of- a worship drought. Who knew? Oh man prayer all these things will be broken in this time and in this season the worship will go to whole new levels that will unlock heaven over the souls and the people Uh, yeah that's false doctrine right there the worship will go to whole new levels and then when you do that it'll unlock heaven it sounds like a video game to me you know as you climb up the levels then you can unlock things and stuff he he's been playing video games and imposing the video game model on his theology of worship <laughs> yeah our, you know our worship hit level 14 last week and we got a special unlock from god and whoa yeah <laughs> yeah this is straight up false right here God, let me tell you this, that uh, God is looking and has been searching hearts inside the people of his, of his choice around this city. And there comes a time when that finishes and he starts selecting. You don't want to miss the preparation stage that God... Right, yeah, God's doing the searching f- preparation phase right now. And he's, he's going to be doing some selecting. I mean... It's kind of like when you were in fourth grade and you're at recess, right? You know, everyone like you know, lines up and you're going to divide up into kickball teams or something, right? And so you, ooh, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me. Yeah, see, God's getting ready to pick his team right now, man. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to miss, you don't want to miss that. And you got to make the cut, man. So you got to do some preparation and stuff. I'm sure it involves like maybe generosity, you know, giving money to, Phil Pringle and stuff got you on because it's in that time that he wants to see your heart broken and open. He wants to see you faithful and loyal to the house of God. He wants you to see you doing the things that he's called you to do now because there's going to come a time when that finishes and a new day comes along and you don't want to be passed over or missed because you failed to actually do. I didn't get picked for God's kickball team. I forgot to tithe last week. Uh-huh. 
what God was calling you to do at this particular time. Whatever you have, you'll get more of. And when you have accumulated into your life blessing at one level, you're going to get more blessing. We're going to see many, many more musicians. What are you talking about? And singers rise up because God has seen those that are here have stepped into a new day of anointing and blessing and releasing the power of the Holy Spirit. And in their hearts, yeah, they've stepped into the releasing of the Holy Spirit. Not a biblical teaching at all. Been watching, and some of these people who are standing on stage are going to be leading in great stadiums and auditoriums around the world. Oh, yeah, it's the God given greatness that. Michelle Corral was talking about. Who knew? Yay! I'm so important. Into another level. These are the last days. These are the latter days. These are the last times, says the Lord, when worship will culminate like a thunder. Says the Lord. Yeah, so he's speaking for God here. Apparently he's channeling the Holy Spirit waterfall it won't be a trickle it won't be a creek it won't be a river it will be a waterfall a torrent of praise filling the earth as the glory of god fills the oceans fills the earth like the oceans of the world my god we pray tonight for your victory to be inside our hearts as we worship and listen to the word of god i'm praying that this word would impregnate us with a future with a vision I don't want to be impregnated. No way. (laughs) I'm going to be impregnated with a future. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. This is not only a false prophecy. It's a scratching ears kind of thing, too. It gets a little weird there. Yeah. The power from God in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, and we believe. Why would you say amen to any of that? I mean, there was clearly, obviously false doctrine and teaching in that. Good. We're in sacred ground tonight. We're on vision builders ground. And this is a ground of sacrifice. It's a ground (laughs) Ground of sacrifice. Like get ready to get your wallet out and write a big old check to Phil Pringle. On a faith, it's a ground of commitment and calling and vows before the almighty God. I want to talk about that here tonight. It's a different message to the one I shared this morning. And so, uh, as we start, while you're still standing, I want to uh, read the scripture that is very impressed on my heart in recent times. Uh, Rel- he's, he's really impressed upon this. Is a, God impressed it and stuff? So, I mean, talk like that means it was God Himself who you know took the scripture and like squished it and impressed it on His heart. So he he by him reading it out, he's doing exactly what God called him to do in this moment. Into our particular context right now. Isaiah 2 verse 2 says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house, temple, will be established as the highest of the mountains. Now, let's take a look at that text real quick. Uh, Prophet Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2. And we're going to note something here is that this is a prophecy regarding the eschaton, the last. Okay, Uh, The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of Yahweh shall be established as the highest of the mountains. It shall be lifted up above the hills. All the nations shall flow to it. Hmm. Yeah, the mountain of the Lord, Mount Zion, nations flowing 
to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Now, we added all the context here on purpose so that you can see, ah, this is a prophecy really truly relating to after the return of Christ, when he has set up his visible, physical, earthly kingdom here on earth, the new Jerusalem, world without end. And, you know, because I don't know if you've noticed, but the world still practices and engages in war. And we haven't beat our pruning, our, our swords or our AR 15s into uh, plowshares yet. Yeah, that hasn't happened. So, what Phil Pringle's going to do is hijack this verse. And, well, God impressed it on his heart, you know. And so, by impressing it on his heart, you know, there, there's, a, there's a, a new meaning to this passage that nobody has ever seen before that relates specifically to Vision Builder Sunday. There at C3 in Oxford Falls. will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to Marylands, to Oxford Falls, to all of these locations. No, not to C3 Marylands or C3 Oxford Falls. See, he's totally twisted this text badly. See, that's another sign. He's a false prophet. If he were really hearing from God, God would be going, Hey! You knock that off. You stop twisting my word up like that. He ain't hearing from God. ...around the city to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Amen. Father, anoint this word here for us tonight in Jesus' name. And we thank you for helping the blues get up. Amen. Lord Jesus, yes. <laughs> thank you, Lord. We will be finished before 8 Yeah, that wasn't a creepy laugh at all. <laughs> Amen. Touch your neighbor, say, go the blues. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, notice the musician has been dismissed. All while he was prophesying, there was sappy music playing in the background. That's all part of the emotional manipulation technique here to create the impression that he's really, truly hearing from God. All right, so I want to share a couple things here tonight that I have shared in, in several meetings in, in the last few days, and one is the vision. In case you didn't get, I want every single member in our church to get a hold of this because it's like a letter from Christ to us, and he wrote letters to the churches. Now, notice what he just said there. So everybody's getting a copy of C3's vision. You know, vision means he 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 got this directly from Jesus, man, and and so know what he just said. He he made a reference to an allusion to the letters to the churches that are found in the opening chapters of the Book of Revelation, as if somehow, well, you know, you know, the church at Philadelphia and Ephesus and Smyrna and you know at Laodicea, you know, they all receive letters from Jesus, and so this is all part of normal. Christianity, you know, churches receive 
letters directly from G- and our vision is just like that letter or those letters let, let, i want you to hear it again listen again in case you didn't get i want every single member in our church to get a hold of this because it's like a letter from christ to us and he wrote letters to the churches in the book of revelation there's a letter to each church and each letter is contextualized uh, god has never actually talked about a universal church everywhere uh what god has never talked about a universal church anywhere how about like ephesians 4 one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of us all you know it's weird because you know the ancient church uh, they used a word that everyone's afraid of now but uh in the ancient church in the nicene creed and the apostles creed we confess that we believe in one holy catholic that means universal, not Roman Catholic, by the way. One uh, one holy Catholic, universal, and apostolic church. And then you think of what Jude wrote, you know, contending for the faith once delivered to the saints, and that we are the body of Christ. So what he's saying here, denying the Catholicity in the truest sense, the right biblical sense of Catholicity, that ain't true at all. The church is always in a location. And so it's not like I belong to the church, universal, anywhere in the world. Yeah, actually, you do. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. It's in Ephesians 4. Look it up. We do belong to the great body of Christ. There's no doubt about that and to the kingdom of God. But whenever God is speaking to the church, he addresses it to a church in its context. Really? Really? Yeah, that that's... Like stretching the revelation butter really thin. Yeah, you know, because nowhere are we told to expect that Christ is going to write us letters the way he did to the seven churches in Asia uh, that uh, the Apostle John was told to write letters to from Christ. So to you and I, occasionally, a letter will come from the Spirit guiding us. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. I got to back that up. Wow, that is blasphemous. By the way, this is a breaking of the commandment that says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. He's straight up blaspheming at this point. God is speaking to the church. He addresses it to a church in its context. And so to you and I, occasionally a letter will come from the spirit guiding us into the future. And he uses scripture. Really, guiding us into the future. Yeah, we, we should... So where do these letters arrive? You know, it, it, do they show up in my email inbox? Uh, they show up outside in my postal box? Where, where do these, where we, where will these messages come from? Often to speak to us. And this particular scripture talks about, we're going to move into a day when there are going to be many people saying, come, let's go to the house of the Lord and he will teach us. So I, I believe teaching is going to rise to another level and teaching is different to preaching and proclamation. It's unfolding the word of God. So he says, uh, this is so absurd. And of course, nobody's standing up and walking out because none of them there know their Bibles. And the reason they don't know their Bibles is because he's made sure never to preach God's word correctly in context, lest they figure out what's going on and leave and their wallets leave with them. Wow. I'm going to bring people to teaching 
where they are fed the word of God. And they're going to teach you of your, of teach the people of God his ways. And that's what I want to do here tonight. I want to. <laughs> this is so bad. Oh, man. He's like even fumbling for words. Where's your sermon notes on this, Phil? Teach you one of the ways of God. Yeah. God has ways that he does things that are very different. Yeah, I, I want to teach you the ways of God. And, you know, the ways that, that God does stuff and stuff, is, it's, it, it's, it's different. Yeah, it, it's so different. Those ways. Whoa. Yeah, ways. You see what I'm saying here? This guy is a phony baloney. Complete phony baloney, $3 bill, plastic banana, false profit from, you know, cuckoo banana town. And I got to tell you, you know, I, the fact that people think that this guy can cast vision and prophesy is, is a judgment against him because they've got to be under a strong delusion because even if you know your Bible just a little bit, you can see through this sham and protect yourself from people like him and others under the C3 movement. The whole movement is corrupt, going all the way up to the head, Phil Pringle, who is a false prophet, false apostle, false teacher, and there's nothing about him that's genuine. The man is a charlatan, and he's as greedy as they all get out. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My mail address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you could subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Ah, a movie sermon on Mission Impossible. We'll be right back. Peter, James, John, and Paul are all dead. That means there are no living apostles in the church today. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Listening to this program right now. Have you ever found yourself wishing there was more Fighting for the Faith content that you could listen to and share with your friends? Well, you're in luck. 
because we now at Pirate Christian Media have a YouTube channel that we upload content to on a weekly basis. We got programs like Twist Busters, You Don't Have to Be a Cessationist, Messed Up Church, exclusive Skype interviews, Pirate Gang Conversations, and our most popular segment, Dumpster Fire. So if you're looking for some extra Pirate Christian Media goodness in your life, head on over to YouTube and search for Fighting for the Faith and subscribe. Two of fighting for the faith. I, I I've been trying to avoid these, but man, pickings are slim in the summer. But let's do this right. Good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via the Journey Church, New York City, one of the flagship, purpose-driven, seeker-driven mega churches in the heart of Manhattan. Uh, Carrick Thomas presiding, and yeah, he's going to be preaching on. Finding your purpose, because he's actually going to be exegeting parts of the movie, or the latest movie in the Mission Impossible franchise. I'm pretty sure we're not going to hear about sin, God's wrath, Christ and Him crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. I'm pretty sure we'll not be told anything about repenting, trusting in Jesus, and uh, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance and good works and stuff like that. Now, I'm pretty sure that's off the docket, so let's go ahead and uh, get ready to beat our heads against a brick wall. Here's Carrick Thomas and Mission Impossible. Hey, well, welcome once again to The Journey. I'm Carrick. I'm lead pastor here at The Journey. And so I'm excited uh, that you're here today. Today, Pastor Bobby and I, we're going to be wrapping up our God on Film Summer Teaching Series. And we're getting ready to turn the corner next week to a powerful new series I'm really excited about that's called Don't Be Afraid to Ask. And in this series, we're going to tackle some of the toughest questions that you, people here at The Journey, have asked us to talk about. And and, uh, we're going to really hit some of the hardest questions. I'm going to talk more about this series in a little bit. But today, first of all, over the last seven weeks... We've been looking at some of the summer's biggest movies, and we've been exploring the biggest spiritual questions behind each one. And today, we're going to wrap up this series by looking at one of the most action-packed movie sagas of all time, Mission Impossible. And so if you haven't yet, I want you to find your message notes. They look like this. Go ahead and pull those out. We're looking at Mission Impossible and Finding My True Purpose 
in life. Now, Mission Impossible, it, it tells the story uh, of, of the, the saga of Special Agent Ethan. Yeah, I'm going to find my purpose in life because of a movie I haven't seen. I have, I can't remember the last time I watched a Mission Impossible movie, but uh, really, job of a pastor is to preach the word. Ethan Hunt. It tells about his adventures, and he's a secret agent for the IMF, or the Impossible Missions Force. And in the movies, Ethan Hunt is played by Tom Cruise. And in every movie, you know this, there's this iconic phrase that said whenever Ethan Hunt receives his mission, whenever he finds out the purpose for his mission, what is that iconic phrase? Anybody know? Remember? That's right. Your mission, should you choose to accept it? Your mission, should you choose to accept it? And in every movie, that's the phrase where Ethan Hunt finds out his mission and its purpose. So that's the phrase, your mission, should you choose to accept it? And I promise nothing's going to self-destruct today. At least I I hope not. Uh, So your mission, should you choose to accept it? Now, in this new Mission Impossible, there's actually a twist because uh, Ethan Hunt is suspected of being a traitor. And so he becomes this rogue agent. And so at one hand, he's trying to save the world from nuclear war. And on the other hand, he's being chased by the CIA and, and the government because they think he's turned. And so in this movie, he becomes incredibly frustrated. And he begins to doubt his mission. He begins to doubt his purpose. For the first time, when he hears those words, your mission, should you choose to accept it, he's not sure he wants to accept that mission. He begins to doubt his purpose. He doesn't know where to look for direction. Now listen, if we're honest, we all have those moments in our own lives. Those moments... I've never received a mission in my life. What are you talking about? When we hit pause... And we ask, what is my true purpose in life? I mean, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing with my life? There's got to be something more to this, right? There's got to be something more. You know, the truth is we wrestle with this question of purpose, of mission so much because God created us with this burning desire within ourselves to live our lives for a purpose. We want our... Yeah, no, he's not going to a biblical text. Yeah, where, where which biblical text God says God created us with the burning desire to, to do our purpose and stuff? This is a man-made doctrine. Our lives to matter. We want our lives to count for something. In, in fact, Jesus said that's one of the primary reasons why he came. In fact, if you look at the first verse, they're in your notes at the top of your outline. John chapter 10, verse 10. These are the words. Now listen to what he does here. John 10, 10. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's out of context, by the way. But I don't know what translation he's preaching from, but what he's about to say isn't what that passage says at all. John chapter 10, verse 10. These are the words of Jesus. Let's, Let's begin by reading them out loud together, beginning with my purpose. Are you ready? Go. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said, part of my purpose is to make sure that you have a purpose to live for. You know, Yeah, nowhere in the Greek or in any good English translation does it say my purpose. Yeah, you boy, now we're really scraping the bottom of the purpose-driven barrel, trying to make it look like this is a biblical teaching, when it's not. Every one of us. We want to live this kind of life that Jesus is talking about, a rich, a satisfying, a full life, a life with purpose. But the problem is we don't really know how to do it. 
I mean, it seems like if you look around, like most people are just going through the motions of life, feeling emptier and emptier along the way. You know, most people, they don't know where to look for purpose, where to find truth. I mean, doesn't it seem like everybody's purpose? Yeah, where does the Bible tell me I discover my purpose? Is a little bit different. I mean, they look in different places to find truth. I mean, for some people, it's money. For others, it's family. Other people look for purpose in their career or in just being happy. Other people look for purpose in power. Some people look for, to find purpose in God. I mean, there seems to be a multitude of different purposes that we can choose from. And so how would you answer that question? What is your purpose in life? What is your mission? What makes your life matter? Now, here's the problem. If there's no one purpose to live by, then I guess it's up to each of us to make up our own purpose. To find- yeah, again, where do I go to discover my unique, singular purpose? I have to ask because I've made the claim before and I'll stand by it. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we have to discover our purpose. And instead, Ephesians chapter 2 says something very different. I'm going to start at verses 8, at verse 8. I'm going to read 8, 9, and 10. And here's what I'm going to basically say. We were not created in Christ for a purpose. Nope, not at all. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we've got to discover our unique purpose, especially if we're Christians. Listen to this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, listen to this, for good works, plural, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were not created in Christ for a purpose. We were created in Christ for good works, which begs the question, what is a good work? Yeah, you find those in like the tail end of the epistles, you know, husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church, wives submitting to your husbands, children obeying and respecting your parents, uh, you know, slaves, uh, you know, obeying their masters, or you can say employees, you know, you know, obeying their employers and employees, employee, employers treating their employees properly, things like that. You know, good works are defined in scripture. So being a good mom, dad, husband, wife. Yeah, those are the good works. That's the place where we do our good works. Starts with our families. But, uh, you know, this nonsense about, oh, I've got to discover my unique purpose. Yeah, this sends people off on a wild goose chase. Find out and discover and, and make up our own reason for living. And unfortunately, I've seen it happen. You can waste your entire life floating from one purpose to another purpose, somehow trying to make sense of life. And that's a tragedy. Even in the Old Testament, even King Solomon, who's one of the wisest people who ever lived, struggled when he wrestled with what's the the meaning of life. And if you look in your notes, Ecclesiastes 7.24, this is what he's struggling to to find purpose. And he, he writes these words. How can anyone discover what life means? And listen, maybe you're here today and this is a question you've been wrestling with as well. What's my purpose in life? What what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Well, here's what Solomon discovered. In fact, if you look in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, it's a book about the purpose of life. And it's Solomon struggling with this. And he discovered that... Yeah, he he says meaningless. It's all meaningless. 
That if you don't have purpose, life is hard and it's confusing. In fact, look that at is this. not the point of Ecclesiastes. Wow, have you even read the book? When you have no purpose, life seems useless. Without purpose, it feels like you're wasting your life. Without purpose, life seems tiresome. It's exhausting to live your life every day and not have a reason. You're twisting Ecclesiastes. He didn't say life feels meaningless without purpose. He said meaningless, meaningless, uh-huh. To be doing it. Without purpose, life seems unfulfilling. Life seems insignificant. Without purpose, life seems out of control. Now, I want you to hold your finger here for just a moment. Don't flip just yet. Look, the Bible teaches that if you don't have a purpose in your life, that you're always going to be lost. You're just going to end up trying to make up your own purpose. Or or you're going to try to borrow a purpose from... Purposelessness is not what it means to be lost. Dead in trespasses and sins is what it means to be lost. You are utterly changing Scripture and redefining the problem that, that human beings have. Our problem is is that we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, not that we haven't discovered our purpose. Wow. Somebody else. And that's the worst thing I, I, you, you can see. That's when someone else is trying to live out someone else's purpose in life. And that purpose that you make up and you live for, it's not going to make sense. And it's not going to fulfill you. But here's the good news. You don't have to make up your purpose. God created you. No, the good news is that Christ died for our sins. You're preaching a totally different gospel, a different good news. And uh, yeah, that can't save you. With the purpose. And God wants you to know your purpose. He wants you to know your mission in life. And so listen, you can't just make up a purpose in life because God who created you, your creator, has given you a purpose. See, you were made, I want you to get this, you were made by God and for God. You were made by God and for God. And until you embrace that, until you understand that, your life is never going to make sense. Because it's only in God that you're going to discover your true purpose. And and that's where you're going to find true significance. And so if you want to know your true purpose, you first, you have to get to know your creator. You know, just like with Ethan Hunt, God comes to you and says, listen, I love you. I created you. And here's your mission. Here's your purpose. Should you choose to accept it? You know, the the two most important days of your life, one is the day that you were born. The second is the day you discover why you were born. The day you discover your purpose in life. And if you haven't discovered your purpose for living yet, you're not living, you're just existing. You're not thriving, you're just surviving. And so what is your purpose in life? Well, open your notes to the inside. And I want to look to the Bible. I want to go to scripture. And I want to do that to uncover five eternal purposes that God has for our lives. Five eternal purposes that God has for our lives. So I may not know exactly what your career should be, but I can guarantee you there are five purposes that are laid out for us in the Bible that are part of, of, of your purpose. And if you embrace these, I tell you, your life is going to begin to make more sense. And so my true purpose in life, here's the first purpose. To find power to live on. Write that down. To find power to live on. Yeah, where is this list found in Scripture? In this order, I'd like to see that, please. Listen, you need a power source in life because there are a lot of things in this life, in this world, in this city that are going to drain your power, that are going to drain your energy and your strength, that are going to rob your vitality. Stress can rob you of power. Conflict can drain your life. Frustration can drain your energy. And everyday work can drain your strength. 
Did you know that you're working more hours than your grandparents and your parents did? That in in the 1970s, the average full-time worker in the United States worked right about 40 hours a week. Fast forward uh, 40, 45 years, and the average worker in the United States, full-time worker, is working about 48 hours a week. Think about that. That's an extra day a week more that we're working than our grandparents and our parents. It's no wonder we're exhausted and tired. And so where do you get the energy? Where do you get the power to live life on? Where do you get the energy to keep going on those times when you feel like giving up? Now, a lot of people try different things. Therapy, pills, a lot of caffeine, right? But the real secret of power to live on is this. I want you to write these three words. I left you some space in your notes. The the secret to power to live on, these three words, is focus on God. Focus on God. You see, the more you focus your life on God the more power you're going to have in your life. Because you see, God is the source of all power. And God's power is available to you, but to get it, you have to focus on him. I love what Isaiah chapter 40 says, beginning in verse 30. It's one of my favorite passages. It says, even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. By the way, maybe that describes exactly how you feel right now. Maybe Yeah, that's the text that ends with, and they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. doesn't say focus. Yeah, you're, you're, you come up with something really crazy and bizarre. You feel that exhaustion, but look at the promise. But those who trust in the Lord, in other words, those who put their focus on God, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run. It doesn't say you're not going to run, but it says you will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen, if you spend a lot of your life focusing on God, you're going to have a lot of God's power in your life. If you spend a little of your life focusing on God, you're going to have a little of God's power in your life. And guess what? If you don't spend any of your life focusing on God, then none of God's power is going to be made available to you. Now, there's a- That's not what that passage says or means. There's a word... In the Bible that, that's used for focusing on God. And I want you to write, I had you write down focus on God. Beside that, I want you to write down another word. And that word is worship. Worship. True worship, that's really all it is. Worship is focus on so, God. So worshiping taps me into God's power. Again, do you have a passage that says it? Because the text from Isaiah 40 that you just quoted doesn't say that. God. Now, it's not just singing songs on Sunday. Worship is when we put our focus on God. Now, understand this. Even if you do not worship God, you will worship something. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. Because we were created with this desire within us. We were created to worship. And if we don't worship God, we will worship something else. And and if you don't believe me, just go to a Taylor Swift concert and look at the people around you. Right? If that's not worship, I don't know what is. And listen, we'll worship all kinds of things. We'll focus our attention and all of our time on things like money or our career or a relationship or our possessions. We'll even worship hobbies. That'll become the primary focus of our life, something that we enjoy doing. And I want you to get this. Where your attention is most focused, where you put the majority of your focus, that's the thing that you worship in life. That's become your primary idol, the thing that you worship. And so the question is, where is your attention most focused? 
Is it, is it on God? Or are you, you going to or- talk about the sin of idolatry? Yeah, if I have something other than God as my God, then I'm an idolater. That's the breaking of the first commandment. Worshiping something else. Now, tragically, most people worship the wrong things. We worship things other than God, things that are incapable of bringing power into our lives. We worship things, in fact, that drain power from our lives because the only thing, the only person worthy of our attention, of our focus, of our worship is God. Now, some people think worshiping God is when you sing songs. Some people think worshiping God is about uh, a ritual. It's not. Some people think worshiping God is about rules. There are these set of rules I have to follow. It's not. Worship simply means focusing on God. And here's the key. Psalm 46, verse 10. could Could you show me an actual biblical place where it says worship is merely focusing on God? Where'd you get this definition? To worshiping and focusing on God. Look at what it says. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah, that doesn't back up what you just said is the definition of worship. That's how you worship God. You're still and you know that he is God. That's how you receive his power. You set aside time to be still, to be quiet. You get the distractions out of the way, the things that, that, are, that are begging for your attention. And you focus on God and on who he is. That's why it's so important to be in church on Sunday with your church family. Here we take our focus. I'm trying to take your focus to the worship team. We're trying to take your focus off of all those things that are begging for your focus during the week. And we place it where it should go on God. We worship God and we worship him alone. Now, listen, you can't just focus on God on Sunday. But you worship him, you focus on him in your quiet time every day too. And listen, the more you focus on God during the weekday and here on Sunday, the more you're going to find yourself restored, renewed, and refreshed. The more power you're going to have. Look, I saw it on your faces. Uh, I was standing out front and some of you came in. I saw it on your faces uh, when you walked in today. Some of you are feeling pretty fatigued right now. And I can see it it, uh, when, when I talk to you. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed by something. Maybe you're, you're, you're stressed out. Listen, you're not going to make it in this city in 2018 unless you find power to live on. So I want to pray for you right now. Where you are right now, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray for you before we move on to the second purpose of life. As our, your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you're overwhelmed. You came in worried about something. You're exhausted because you're carrying so much on your shoulders. Here's our prayer. God, I need your power to live on. I'm running on empty right now. I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. I'm stressed out. You're not going to call them to repent. You're just going to call them to say that they're overwhelmed and stressed out. And so today, God, I'm going to try it. I'm going to worship you instead of all these other things in my life that I've been focusing on. And as I focus on you right now, God, fill me with your power. The same. Yeah, I can't believe we're uh, making a prayer here, and it's about idolatry, and you're not talking about repenting or being forgiven. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first purpose of your life is to find power to live on. Here's the second purpose. All right, so there in your notes, second purpose is to find people to live with. To find people... To live with. I'm not talking. Do I need a crucified and risen savior for that? 
talking about finding roommates on Roomies or Trulia. We're not talking about roommates. We're find, talking about finding people to do life with, to find that support network. Have you ever noticed uh, that you, I don't know. Many pagans have found people to do life with. I don't know if you've noticed or if you've realized it, but you, does that make them Christian? You were created for other people. We were created to need each other. You need people around you to support and to encourage you. And the Bible uses a word called fellowship to describe this. It's the concept that we have people around us that can be that support network. Do you remember the story of creation in the Bible, right in the beginning of the Bible? You see, God created Adam. He created man. And he placed him in the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden was a perfect environment. There was no pain, no problems, no pressure, right? It was a perfect environment. And yet, God looked down at Adam and he said, no, there is still something missing. Genesis 2.18 says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Think about that for a moment. If I'm in a perfect environment, if God put Adam in a perfect environment with a perfect relationship with him, why would that not be enough? Well, here's why. By the way, God gave him a wife, not a small group. It's because God created us to need each other. We weren't created to do this life on our own. We were created with this God-sized hole, right? To need God. That's our first purpose is to... Yeah, yeah, which biblical text talks about the God-sized hole? Find God's power to live on. But then after that, we need to find people to live with. We need a community. We need people around us that can hold us accountable. There was a study done uh, that showed that if you... Uh, that, that viewed people uh, who only had acquaintances, had no intimate relationships, nobody close to them. And this study showed that keeping that distance and completely isolating yourselves, you were three times more likely to die an early death. You were four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. You were five times more likely to be clinically depressed And you were 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or a mental disorder. And why is this? It's because we were not created to be isolated. We were not created to live life alone. There's a passage in the book of Ecclesiastes that speaks directly to this. In fact, I'd like us to read it out loud together there in your notes, starting with two people. Are you ready? Go. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. This is like turning the book of Ecclesiastes into like fortune cookie sayings. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Two people are better than one. And fortunately, God has given us this custom-made support network to help us with this. And it's called the church. It's called the church, the body of believers. You see, the church isn't just something you go to. The church isn't just something you do on a Sunday. You can check off your list and say, I I went to church. There it is. The church wasn't designed around lights and music. The church was designed to be a family. The original church, the original Christian church was created for people to, to be a place where you can have a family to connect to because God wants you to have relationships And he wants you to find them in the body of Christ. Yeah, most people make these relationships quite naturally. 
Have you ever noticed that when we get busy, our relationships are the first ones to get hurt and to get skimmed back? First, it's our relationship with God. Well, I'm, I'm really busy. I'm really stressed. I, I don't have time to read my Bible during the week. I, I really don't have time to pray. I, Sundays are really busy. I don't have time to go to church. It's our relationship with God first. But then second, our relationships with others, especially Christians, are what gets affected. I don't have time to go to the journey for the ice cream party because I, I build relationships with people. I'm too busy. I don't, I don't really have time to plug into a growth group and meet other people. I just don't. I'm, I'm too stressed. I don't have that capacity. But listen, when you start cutting away relationships out of your life, it always comes back to hurt. Always. Because you can replace things but you cannot replace people. Yeah. What about your problem where you keep cutting the gospel and actual Bible passages in context out of the sermon? Boy, imagine the world of hurt your cousin by that. When you begin cutting away the relationships in your life and isolating yourself to your career, to a hobby, and you completely forsake the people that God has placed in your life and wants to place in your life, you begin to run dry. You can't replace people. And some of you are here and I get that. Some of you are here and you're, I'm stressed. I, I, I maybe I go on Sundays, but I, I keep the church at an arm's length, right? I, I, I don't really get plugged in. I don't have that capacity. I can't do that. Well, you need to do that. You need to find that support network and build those relationships around your life. And we create environments for you to do that. We create environments where you can go and meet other people that are on a similar journey to you. If you would, grab that connection card that we were talking about earlier. If you grab that connection card and you flip it over to the back, you'll notice that there are so many ways for you to get connected. So many different opportunities from seminars uh, to play groups that we have. But the one I want to highlight is the last one in that next steps box, and it's our membership class. Now, the Journey has a membership class coming up on August 5th, and this membership class is your best opportunity. If you're here and you'd say, hey, that's me. I know that's me. I keep the church at arm's distance. I don't really have a good group of Christians around. This membership class is where that can change because you're going to go and you're going to have the opportunity to meet other people who are newer to the journey, who are plugging in to make the journey their home church. You're going to learn a little bit more about the journey and meet some of our pastoral staff, but more than anything, and more importantly, you're going to meet Meet other people who are in the same season of life as you that need to connect and need to have that group. So on that connection card, check that off. If that's something you're interested in, if you have not been through our membership class, check that off. Drop it in the offering bucket. This week, we'll send you that information. It's a couple weeks away. You'll have all the information. No excuse to go. We're going to have lunch. We'll have child care. I know that child care is a big excuse as well. We have kids. We can't connect as much. We've taken care of that for this class to give you the opportunity to connect. So make sure to do that. Check that off. I don't want you to miss out on that opportunity. All right, so I need a power to live on. I need people to live with. And then my next biblical purpose in life. I guess we're done with the movie Mission Impossible. That was just the bait on the hook to get people to uh, come to your membership classes and join a small group. Is to find principles to live by. Principles to live by. How about a gospel to be forgiven by? Find principles to live by. We're talking about today the movie Mission Impossible, right? And in each one of the... Oh, finally, we get another tie-in. Oh, yay. 
Mission Impossible movies, Ethan Hunt has a strict code of conduct that sets the foundation uh, for everything he does. It's set by his agency, and every mission that he accepts is based on this strict code of conduct. And it's the same with us. That we need that clear, we need a clearly thought out philosophy in life. We need a foundation, a moral foundation, something that gives us stability when life gets confusing. You know the number one reason why parents bring their children to our Journey Kids program? It's because they want to give their kids a moral foundation early on. From an early age, they want them knowing God. They want to have that foundation set and something that they can begin building a life on. Well, that, that moral foundation is important for us as adults as well. We need that roadmap. We need that foundation to stand on in some ways more than kids because we have more. And so we need to have... You do know the Bible reveals more than just the law, things that we must do, right? Have that. And all of that is outlined right in the Bible. That moral code of conduct, that, that, that guideline that we need is found in Scripture. Well, look at what it says there in your notes in Joshua chapter 1. Scripture tells us, study this book of instruction, meaning the Bible, continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. Yeah, that's talking about the Mosaic Covenant, which is a covenant of works, not grace. And that's not a salvation covenant, by the way. Yeah. So we're getting law, 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 lots of law, 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 law. Um, No repentance, no forgiveness of sins, no crucified Jesus on the cross. And uh, now we've reduced the Bible to a bunch of rules that need to be kept. Yeah, I'm already depressed. Seed in all you do. See, everything you need, the principles to build your life on, are found in Scripture. They're right in the Bible. And we can't just do what's popular. We can't just, as Pastor Carrick said, find my own set of foundations and conduct that I'm going to live by. There's a strict... Well, you're doing that with your church. ...outlined there in the Bible. And now scripture outlines what is best for us. Not just what is good. It outlines the best plan for our careers, for finances, for relationships, for sex. It outlines all of those details in the way that is the best. Yeah, they're, they're commands, and to break them is to sin against God and earn his wrath. Best for us. We have to know that it's different and it's contrary to our culture. And because of that, we have to know it. We have to memorize it. We have to have it and to recall at a moment's notice when we need it. And when you walked in today, our greeters were handing out memory verse cards. Now, those memory verse cards we have available each and every week here at The Journey. They're usually on a table or up at these communion tables. They're, opp- they're opportunities for you to take God's word and commit it to memory. Well, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to put that somewhere you're going to see it. Maybe it's with your Metro card. So each time you pull out your Metro card, you're reading it. Well, if you read that three or four t- or five or six times this week, you're going to memorize that verse and have it right there to recall. Maybe put it near your bathroom mirror. You're there multiple times during the week. And every time you're there, you'll be able to read it and memorize it. And you'll be able to have God's word right there when you need it. That solid foundation. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. You've got principles to live by. And that leads us to our next biblical purpose for life. Write this down. I need a plan to live out. I need principles to live by, but I also need a plan that, that I'm going to live out. And um, 
We talked about power, people, and principles. Now, really, when it comes to, to the decision of how you're going to live your life, you've got two options. You, one, you can live your life by design. The other option is to live your life by default. And so if you live your life intentionally, by design, it, it, it's planned out, you're going to make the most out of what God has given you. But if you live your life accidentally, if you live your life by default, where you're just making decisions. What does it mean to live my life by design? By the day where you're just doing things as they come up, you're going to drift through life without a plan and you're going to waste what God has given you. You're going to waste your purpose. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people live their lives accidentally. You know, we wake up each morning not knowing where our life is going, not knowing how we got to where we are, not even thinking about the kind of person we're becoming because of our life's choices. Sounds to me like these people need a career guidance counselor. I want you to understand God has something so much better for you. He has a plan for your life. In fact, the, the, the very fact that you're alive shows that God has a plan for your life. And listen, as I said earlier, your life isn't going to make sense until you understand, until you embrace the fact that you were made by God and you were made for God. And so how do I know God's plan for my life? How do I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, where I'm supposed to be? Well, I can say it in one word. No, I don't know what your career should be, if that's what you're asking. But for all of us, I can, I can lay out what you're supposed to be doing with your life in one word. You can write this word down. It's the word service. It's the word service. God's plan for your life is service. God wants you to invest your life in serving him and in serving others. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the apostle Paul writes these words. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Now hold your finger here. You know what that means? Yeah, um, that's a weird, you're reading the message, right? Yeah. That means that you were designed. That means that you were thought out. That means that you're not an accident, that, that it's not default by default, but you were created by design. And you're Oh, wow. I'm a masterpiece. Oh, man. Wonderful in God's eyes. So it says we were God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the what? Good works. Would you underline those? The good yeah, that's thing? right. That's right. Good works. Plural, not purpose, singular. Underlying those two words, good things. In other words, service. He created us in Christ Jesus so that we can do the service, the good things he planned for us long ago. Now hold your finger here. Don't, don't flip in your notes just yet. Look, right now, today, maybe you don't like yourself very much. Maybe you look around and you think, well, I wish I looked like her. I wish I, I had his talent. But listen, that's an insult to God. God wants you to be you. You're one of a kind. There's never been another person in the history. God wants me to be me. Um, you're saying that without discussing a sin nature and our and the corruption and selfishness caused as a result of sin. History of the world who's been created exactly like you. And that was, that was by design. You're created the way you are for a reason. And God has a special plan of how he wants to use you. God made you to serve. And I want you to get this. You will never be fulfilled. Life will never make sense until you get this, until you do this. Look, God didn't put you on this earth to be a selfish jerk and to live life totally for yourself. And everybody around you, they don't exist just for you. Yeah, the reason why people are selfish jerks is because they are sinners. For you. 
to meet your needs, to give you pleasure. And if you think that, you're sadly mistaken. And you're not living, you're just existing. And you're going to be a miserable person. God wants you to make a contribution with you. And you're going to be a miserable person. What about the fires of hell? Yeah, yeah. Being a miserable person is like the least of their worries. They need to worry about the fact that they have sinned against a holy God and that Jesus is going to judge them. With your life. He wants you to give back, to make an impact in the world through the way that he made you. You see, when you get to heaven, God isn't going to say, why weren't you more like that person over there? God will never say that. But he might say, why weren't you more like the person that I created you to be? Why Is this salvation by purpose? Why didn't you do what I designed you to do? So here's my challenge for you. Commit to serve God by serving others. And here's my challenge. Could you start this month? If you're not doing that at all, could you start this month and say, you know what, God, I want to be, I'm going to give you one hour this month. One hour this month. Could you take that challenge and say, I'm going to serve. Take the one hour with God challenge this month. <laughs> so that you can, uh, you, you don't have to stand before God and God say, why didn't you, why weren't you more like the person I created you to be? Which again, what's the standard I'm being judged by at this point? Me being me. Oh boy. This is horrifying. Serve other people for God for one hour in this coming month. Bobby had you pull out your connection card earlier. I want you to do that right now. Flip over to the back. And I want you to look on the right-hand side at the bottom. You may have seen this section on the connection card before. But listen, if you, if you were to look back over the last month and you were to see, I'm not serving in the church. I'm not serving other people with my life. I want to challenge you one hour in this coming month to say, I'll serve in one of these areas. And then see if God, what God doesn't do in your life. See if you don't come alive. See if you don't begin to discover your purpose. And there are a lot of different areas. See if that, that doesn't help you discover your purpose. And again, that purpose thing, you know, it's out there somewhere. You, you need to discover it. Maybe it's hiding under a rock in your uh, front yard, or maybe it's over at, you know, at, at Journey Church in, in their children's area. Who knows? It, it's tough to find these things and discover them, you know. Areas. If you look on the right-hand side at the bottom, you can serve on the Sunday welcome team. You just come an hour early to the service you attend and say, you know what, I'm going to serve by making people feel welcome. This feels more like manipulation now. Manipulation to get people into a small group. Manipulation to get volunteers to help out with greeting and parking lot work and stuff like that. Welcome when they come. You can serve at the journey office during the week and help us follow up with people or help us to prepare for the Sunday service. There's so much to do. You can serve with our team during the week. You can serve on the worship arts team. You say, I've got a gift where I can sing or I can play an instrument or I can work sound and lights or I'm, I'm a designer. There are places for you if you want to do that. Or on the journey kids team. You love kids. You want to invest in the next generation. And you want, to, you want to do that. Or if you really want to do something and stretch yourself, if you look above that, you could go on our South African mission trip and invest in kids who've been impacted by HIV, AIDS in South Africa in November when we take that trip. But the point here is, are you willing to say, okay, God, I'm created to serve. I'm not doing it. I'm going to give you an hour this month. Do that. Give God an hour. And yeah, see created to serve. Actually, no, created for good works. And good works include being a good husband, being a good wife, being a good employer, an employee, which means these people have been doing their good works all week long, and you're trying to convince them that they're not doing anything. 
uh-huh, man, this is a horrible understanding of what Christian sanctification is because it makes people chase after some undefined purpose that they've got to discover and makes it, well, I, I, my purpose has something to do with service, and yet the text says good works, plural, and good works are clearly defined in Scripture as to where they occur. So Christians who wake up in the morning, commute to work, who change diapers and, you know, clean snotty noses and do the laundry and cook meals and, you know, help with algebra and things like those are good works, every single one of them. And they're, you're, you're going to know you don't have to travel far to do it. You don't have to travel to Africa to do it. You don't have to volunteer, you know, at, at a local mega church to do them. You're already doing them. What he does in your life. The point is don't get so caught up in the busyness of life that you miss the point of why you're here, of why he created. Yeah, the busyness of life may in fact be the place where they're doing all their good works already. He made you to serve others. And so think about that. And I want you to flip your notes over to the back. Here's the fifth biblical purpose for your life. The fifth biblical purpose for your life. And that is to find passion to live for. To find passion to live for. I said this earlier, but everyone needs to feel like their life matters. You want to know that your life matters, that you're not just taking up space, that you're not just wasting oxygen. Now, sooner or later, every person, and by the way, it's better to ask now than on your deathbed, but every person asks, does my life really count? And now's the time to ask that question. Now, sadly, most people never discover God's purpose for their life. They live and die just exactly. If you know what biblical good works are, you don't need to ask the question, does my life count? Existing. But God says, look, I didn't create you for nothingness. I created you for purpose, for meaning, for a reason. You know, one guy who clearly understood his purpose was the Apostle Paul. And I want you to look at how he talks about his mission. You know, your mission, should you choose to accept it? This was Paul's mission. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He wrote, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. He goes, this is the purpose that Jesus gave me. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And let me just say this. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is part of your overall purpose as well. God wants to use you to help other people get to know him and discover their purpose as well. Get to know him and discover their purpose. That's not making disciples. What are you talking about? You know, at The Journey, we want to do everything we can to help you discover your purpose, live out your purpose, your mission for your life. And so let me just talk to you in a personal way for just a moment as, as your pastor. Where do you start with this? I want to live a life of purpose. I want to do what I was created to do. Where do I start? Listen, if you want to know your purpose, you will never discover your purpose in life until you first say yes to Jesus Christ. You begin a relationship with him. That's the first step. Because apart from God, apart from the one who gave you purpose and created you, you can't discover that purpose. So the first step is to get right with God. In, in a moment, I'm going to pray. And as we pray, maybe that's the step you take. I'm going to connect with my creator, the one who gave me purpose. And so you say yes to Jesus. What's the second step? Well, the second step, once you've said yes to Jesus, now this is important. It's back. Saying next, yes to Jesus. The, the, the Bible teaches that Christ says yes to us. 
He's the one who regenerates us. He's the one who makes us alive in Christ. What are you talking about? Baptism. Baptism. You know, baptism, the Bible says, is the first step of obedience once you become a follower of Jesus. No biblical text says that about baptism anywhere. And there, let me just say this. There's some of you who are here today, and maybe it was this summer, maybe it was recently, maybe it was a long time ago. You made that decision to follow Jesus, and, and, but right now you're having a hard time clearly seeing God's purpose for your life because you haven't taken the step of obedience. You said to yourself, I'm not going to do that. You know, that's, that's embarrassing. I'm not gonna- so if you want to discover your purpose, you have to take the first step of obedience and get baptized. No biblical text says you'll discover your purpose after you're baptized. I'm not going to get baptized. That's fine. But I want you to understand, God's not going to show you the next step in your life, in your faith. So the reason why you haven't found the next step is because you refuse to do this obedience step of getting in the water. Wow. This is a crazy doctrine associated with uh, the purpose-driven church now. Yeah, God's refusing to give you, you know, help you discover your purpose until you get baptized. You're saying, God, I want you to show me what's big, what's next, steps five and six. And God says, you haven't taken step number two. If you're not obedient with me, if you're you not. You are putting words in God's mouth. Not willing to show that you love me by being baptized as Jesus commanded. <laughs> you're not willing to show me you love me by getting baptized. Now you've turned God into a junior high girl. If you won't show me you love me by getting baptized, I'm not going to give you steps number five and six. And and then God passes a note to you. You know, do you like me? Yes or no? And you write back, yes, God, I I like you. Then get baptized. Oh, my word. What on earth is this? Am I obligated to tell you what steps three, four, and five are? And there's some of you that are stuck. You're stuck in your life because you have not yet done the first thing that Jesus asked you to do. He gave his life for you. You accepted that free gift. You have eternal life. And then you said no to the very first thing he asked you to do. And so if you're here today and you've been putting that off, I want to encourage you to take that step. You know, sign up on the back of your connection card. Sign up at our baptism table that's in the lobby. That that baptism is this Saturday. Don't put it off any longer because that could be the spiritual roadblock in your life that's keeping you from seeing God's ultimate plan for your life. So you say yes to Jesus. You get baptized. Then if you've done that, then don't miss this. Then it becomes your mission in life to help other people find Jesus as well. To help them experience the same hope and purpose. Well, I haven't found Jesus in the sermon yet that you have you know one way that you can do that is by bringing your friends bringing your co-workers to church with you you know we're doing this series next week uh kicking it off it's called don't be afraid to ask we gave you a postcard and uh we asked you a couple of months ago you know if if, if you if, if the church could answer some hard questions what would you like to see the church talk about and we got a lot of answers i'm going to share with you next week some of the different answers that uh questions that you asked, said you wanted us to to look at but we're going to look at four really big ones here and there are four questions that it's just not people in this church these are people everywhere are struggling with the first question next week we kick the series off why does god allow suffering 
That's the number one question that if you're talking to a friend about faith, that they're going to throw back in your face about why God doesn't exist, about why you shouldn't have faith because there's suffering in the world. We're going to talk about how to talk about that in an intellectual and a smart way and then what you do in the midst of suffering. In two weeks, we're going to talk about a really tough topic, racial prejudice. And the question is, how do I overcome my prejudice that I'm harboring in my own heart? Then in three weeks, is the Bible relevant to my life? And then we wrap up the series with, do all good people go to heaven? And that's, see, we're, we, didn't, uh, we didn't get rid of the hard ones and take the easy ones. We, we got some of the hard questions there. So I want to encourage you. Maybe you've got some people in your life who are struggling with these questions. Invite them, bring them so that they can be a part of this. You know, like Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible, you have a mission and a purpose. God comes to you and says, hey, here's your purpose should you choose to accept it. And when you accept that mission and you discover that purpose, let me tell you, you're never going to be more alive because that's what you were created for. But the secret to getting started in all of this is getting to know God, saying yes to Jesus and getting to know God. It's our final verse, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It's our final verse, so let's read it out loud together, beginning with, by his divine power. Are you ready? Go. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. It starts by by giving your life to Jesus Christ, by getting to know God. That's the first step to finding your purpose in life. Do that today, right now. As we pray, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's bow. Done. Wow. What a complete mess. And, you know, the more I hear sermons like this, not movie sermons, but, you know, ones trying to convince you that God wants you to discover is God's going to discover for you. He's going to reveal it to you. So you discover your purpose. The more I think that this is a completely different religion altogether. That was not biblical Christianity. I don't even know what that was. And Christ and him crucified for our sins. It didn't make an appearance. And, you know, just, you know, he was talking about the sin of idolatry and it didn't even dawn on him that they need to repent of the sin and to be forgiven and that Christ has bled and died for that. And this, everything is keyed in, focused on like a laser you know, this about doing what is necessary and you have to earn it. You know, part one of the earning steps is you actually getting baptized is you have to earn, you know, God finally revealing to you your purpose. It, it, yeah, and it's just so vague and so undefined. It's like, you know, chasing windmills in the fog. Good luck on that. Yeah. What a mess. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.